0: Greetings, I'm Daniel Meisler, and welcome to episode 35 of the Unsupervised Learning Podcast. I'm going to start with the news. So the hack of Mossack Forenza has been tied to a breach of their WordPress install through a plugin called Revolution Slider. Um, And this, of course, led to the Panama Papers breach. So basically, we have like the largest data leak ever tied directly to WordPress plugins, which is pretty scary. Um, but not surprising. So uh, the plugin basically makes this easy by installing a, a version file. So you could just query this across, you know, however many websites, millions of websites. And if you get a certain thing back, which you can get back from scraping with like Python or Ruby or you Nokogiri know, or whatever, you get back a certain version number, you know it's vulnerable and you can do an arbitrary file upload, which allows you to upload a web shell and get control of that box. And this is exactly what happened to them. Uh, so basically someone did that, got a web shell, and found out that a lot of their other sensitive boxes were right next to that web server on a flat network. And uh, Shodan actually showed a ho- bunch of other ports open. So it's uh, kind of a big mess. And uh, kind of started with the fact that they had a vulnerable WordPress plugin. So... Uh, Interesting, interesting thing there. It wasn't some advanced, <laughs> advanced attack against, you know, a company that had all this content. It was stupid WordPress. Uh, there's a new critical flash bug out. Um, now, if you've heard this within the last hour, there that could mean several uh, critical flash bugs. Um, this is the type of thing I'll probably have to say often, but there, there's a very new one. So you should be... Uh, updating Flash, if not installing it. Um, I'm kind of heading more in that direction. Um, But of course, there are situations where you can't do that, like in the enterprise, certain apps need it. But uh, increasingly, more and more apps are going to HTML5 and you won't have to use it. But in the meantime, there is a new Flash bug and you should update. So related to the other news, uh, with the Panama Papers breach, uh, WordPress.com just enabled encryption on all their sites. Uh, wouldn't have actually helped with the breach, of course, because it's um, the attack just would have gone down TLS instead of uh, clear text. But uh, well, there's no actually it was probably a self-hosted um, site anyway. It probably wasn't WordPress.com, so that actually wouldn't have mattered. But it is interesting that uh, WordPress.com just enabled. Uh, TLS on all of their properties for anyone that's hosting with WordPress.com proper. So a report came out on BuzzFeed basically saying that most major cities are constantly being surveilled from above by FBI Cessnas. So basically they have these tricked out Cessna planes that fly in these patterns and the patterns are published. Like you can actually see how they circle. Um, They actually have a, a layout of what the planes look like how they're more quiet than normal how they have like augmented reality uh visualizations inside the plane uh some really cool stuff basically talking about exactly where they go what cities what their flight patterns are seemed a little bit i don't know it, it seemed a little bit weird that they were putting that much information out about it um if you can't break crypto break the client so this was a cool uh Cool blog post by Bishop Fox. Um, basically, a WebKit parsing error in the iMessage application. So basically, you have iMessage, and it's built on all this solid encryption, and you know Apple just doing some good things there. Uh, but it turns out the client is based on WebKit and was vulnerable to attacker JavaScript, which could actually just I think you, you can make arbitrary requests using it. Um, so. Really interesting lesson there is, you know, you've got a client and a server when you deal with encryption. This is something I've seen uh, throughout my career in testing, especially related to cryptography, where you have uh, people do things like use AES-256 correctly and then drop the keys right into the same folder, uh, like in a mobile application, for example. So implementation is... I don't know, something like three quarters of the battle. I mean, it's that's, that's not a real saying, I just made it up, but it's, uh, it's definitely true in a lot of cases. Uh, Microsoft has posted the roadmap for Windows 10 business, uh, things like Edge extensions, which is the new browser, <clears throat> enterprise data protection, multi-factor auth for apps using Hello and Passport, file level encryption to make uh, DLP better, um, also working more on continuum, which basically is kind of like airplay where the Windows Phone can connect to large monitors and peripherals uh, to kind of work like computers. But that was confusing to me because I thought Windows Phone was dead. Maybe maybe only a certain version of it died or maybe the article's confused. Um, application layer <clears throat> attacks bypassing DOS protection or DDOS protection. So basically, if you have application layer attacks going down SSL and you don't have a good, um, you don't have a good way of seeing, uh, you don't have good knowledge of who exactly to block at the network level, then um, you're a bit screwed. The article kind of felt like it was a pitch for the cloud-based services that actually break your encryption. Um, So you have encryption up to the cloud service, it decrypts, and then sends you the decrypted traffic. Um, That that seems like it was kind of a pitch for that. I didn't find an actual vendor in there that they were pitching, so otherwise I probably wouldn't have included it. But it's still an interesting point that if all your application-level DDoS attacks are going down SSL, then uh, it, it's pretty hard for upstream people to defend against that, um, unless they're just doing it purely by source, which is uh, <clears throat> it's a good tool, it's a good method, but it could also, uh, you know, lead to a lot of false positives. And, and it's hard to manage, right? It, that list of hosts is constantly changing. So, um, the first Windows 10 preview with Bash is now released. Um I'm not doing Windows 10 previews, but uh, I look forward to seeing that in the next major release. Uh, Exploring Ideas section. Conscientiousness as the primary hacker attribute. So this is an essay I just did uh, a couple days ago. And um, basically, there's some interesting uh, ways of looking at what makes the most effective bug bounty tester and real world like pen tester. A lot of people think it's some sort of, you know, bursty, you know, high genius, you know, some matrix shit. Um, but it's actually not often that. It, it's more likely to be persistence and uh, what's called grit. So basically, a lot of people know about the, um, the Briggs-Meyer test, where you test personalities and you come up with something like INTJ or something, Uh but there's another test. Basically, Briggs-Myers is, is considered deprecated by the professionals, most professionals. And there's a new system called the five, five, Big Five Traits, which comes down to ocean, which um, I won't list them out all here. You should read the blog post. But it's like openness, uh, conscientiousness, uh, extroversion, uh, agreeableness, And uh, neuroticism, which, um, and that is the full ocean. I'm surprised I remembered all of them. But but, uh, all of those are considered like the primary traits. and, And they lead to success in different careers in different ways. And they're considered basically equal, with the exception of the first or the second one, C, which is conscientiousness, which has been shown to be more predictive of your success than Pretty much anything, including IQ, including like uh, education and all sorts of things. So basically what conscientiousness is, is grit. It's self-discipline. It's the ability to be thorough and have attention to detail and really care about your output. Right. So if you look at people who are doing really well in InfoSec or whatever, they tend to have this a lot. Uh, because it, it takes time to, uh, to to put effort in and, and you know uh, pursue a career or, or um, produce content, uh, it, it it's hard. So another way of looking at that is purely in the testing sense. So um, I've worked with so many testers. I've been a tester for you know over a decade, uh, and. I guess, almost a decade and a half. It's kind of frightening, but I've seen so many different types of testers and I also had to hire quite a bit, right? So you you look for these things and everyone thinks they know, oh, if they have this, then they're going to be good. Oh, if they have this, if they impress me, then they're going to be good. And as we learned about the whole interview process, most people are just stupidly wrong about this, like really, really wrong. And I I had a lot of those problems as well, where I I thought there was like this pet thing that, oh, if they got this right, then they're going to be like me. And that's what it usually comes down to. People look for things that resonate with them because they think I'm awesome. Even if they're not explicitly thinking this, it's subconscious. They think I'm awesome and they remind me of me. Therefore, they're going to be awesome. And it's just like this massive bias problem, which is shown clearly by the data of like, when you map out what a person actually produces versus how you thought they were going to be when you interviewed them, you often find very little correlation, if not a negative correlation. So the idea here is basically look for conscientiousness. It's one of the best things you can find. And, and, uh, another way of looking at this or another, another, uh, way it goes by or another term it goes by is called grit. So grit has been getting a lot of press in like psychology circles uh over the last couple of years tons of books out on it. I have read a few of them. And uh it's it is this conscientiousness thing. It's it's basically that if you have someone who's you know uh smarter and more talented um they can do much worse than someone who is uh, pretty smart but is has high self-discipline and uh, <clears throat> it's really interesting because uh, you, there are certain cultures who are basically teaching grit as a primary life skill and you see them being extremely successful academically and having you know advanced degrees and high salaries and Moving up, sort of in in terms of social class and uh, all sorts of things, very quickly, faster than anyone else. Um, I won't go into which ones they are; that'd probably be a separate uh, separate podcast of itself. But that that's that's kind of the idea: is to look for this thing, and what what I what I kind of think of it as is uh, look for it in yourself, and also look for it in others. And uh, it can be a good predictor of, of output later on. Um, and I'll just leave that there. So um, exploring ideas. Uh, next one, five ways to become immortal. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. I, I wrote an essay about different ways to sort of avoid death. Um, and this is sort of the, the, the weirdness uh, that we will see with this format of the podcast where I have uh, basically I have lots of different topics. So we just went from, you know, how do you hire amazing testers to how do you become immortal, And that shift could be a little bit jarring. Um, but I would say just go ahead and, uh, check out the article. It's in the show notes. If you want to, I'm not going to go through the five ways. Um, I want to keep this uh, episode a little bit short. So, um, Next one, tools, talks, articles, papers, and projects. So I am working on a project right now called Repossessed, which is uh, it's a it's uh, basically a scanner that looks at open source code repositories um, or public code repositories. I think that's a more accurate term. Uh, so it looks at sites like uh, GitHub, and that sort of thing. And it's basically combining together all the logic behind the various tools out there that find sensitive content in the repos, right? So uh, I reached out to a couple of people who have existing tools. Um, I've got my own things that I look for during assessments inside of GitHub repos. And I'm joining all this stuff together into this new one called Repossessed, However, I'm adding another component, which is I'm gonna do actual source code analysis. So for whatever language I find, I'm gonna be running, uh, I'm gonna be basically checking that language, every line, line by line in the entire project against known horrible coding practices. So basically any time you're taking direct input from a user and, in, and parsing it directly in the application without filtering or displaying it uh, without filtering, I'm going to flag that as a critical inside of this tool, and I'm going to have this for multiple languages. And that's going to be on top of finding all the sensitive stuff like SSL keys, SSH keys, you know, home directories, dot profiles, um, all sorts of sensitive stuff that people leave in these public repos. So I'm going to combine all that stuff together into a new project uh, called Repossessed. And um, I'm publishing it under the IOActive GitHub. And uh, it's still in progress, but I'm hoping to have it out uh, along with a blog post on Io IOActive site uh, within uh, a, a few weeks, hopefully. All right, next one is. Um, the perfect exfiltration technique so there's a talk at hack in the box in a- Amsterdam by safe breach which is a, sounds like a vendor um, which of course puts up my flags. Um, by the way, it, basically I have no issue mentioning men- mentioning vendor names here uh, so if they're in talks or you know if it's a product or whatever I will mention vendor names. Uh, you should assume that I have no tie to the vendor whatsoever. Um, because I, I don't really have any ties to vendors uh, other than I where everyone knows I work. But uh, basically, if I mention a vendor and I'm like, "Oh, you should definitely go use this. Like, you should buy this product. Like, I highly recommend it." If I have a relationship with that vendor, I will make it very clear that I have a relationship, and this and that. That at that point, it becomes more of a sponsor thing, and I will definitely mention it. Like. Before or after or during, to make it very clear that this is some sort of relationship between me and them, and I'm promoting it. Obviously, I will still care about it, and I will I will still think that's the right answer for you. Like I'm not going to recommend something I think is crap. Uh, that's just not how I do things. But still, even even though that's the case, I will make it very clear that I do have some sort of relationship. In this case, with Safe Breach, I assume it's a vendor. It sounds like a vendory name, but uh, they're talking about exfiltration technique and trying to find the ultimate one. And they put, they actually have in this blog post, pretty cool. They have like 10 different things. They're talking about like, you know, the type of service field inside of, um, you know, TCP IP packet. Um, And they go down this list of like different ways you can hide and looking for the ultimate one, which incorporates all of them. Uh, It's pretty cool read. And I I think the top talk is going to be cool as well, which I want to check out. Um, so next one, uh, seven insider threat profiles. This is a dark reading post. Um, very cool uh, idea. Basically, it talks about how you're not just looking for, you know, evil Mr. Burns finger tent type people uh, attacking your network. You're also looking for uh, one cool example was over So this is someone who like thinks they... They wanna add all this value to everything, right? They're just like, oh, I wanna be super helpful and I want people to like me. So when they send emails, they send way too much information. They like copy and paste stuff from sensitive documents. They're like, oh, I'm being helpful. I'm being cool, like, please like me. Um, and that's a, that's a threat. It's someone on the inside and it's a threat to the organization, right? There's also people who are like, um, think they're too cool to follow rules. So are they malicious? Are they being paid by China? No. But this attitude could lead them to, you know, doing behaviors that uh that harm the organization from the inside. Therefore, it's an insider threat. And then it has farther down some more traditional ones where it's actually, you know, someone is paid by this or they're disgruntled or whatever. But the the key thing about it is it's seven different ones. And a lot of them are very common on the internal network that you don't normally think about. So I think it was a good post. Uh, Got the link in the show notes. Tool. Guinevere is an automated security assessment reporting tool. Um, And a lot of these tools, by the way, I'm just scraping, like I'm finding, I've got like 50 different sites that I look at to collect this stuff, right? So uh, these tools can be anywhere from, like, it's open source, it's one guy, and <clears throat> he wrote the tool in, like, four hours, and it's bash, and it's dumb, like a lot of my stuff. Um, and uh, very early, like, let, let's say I put out something super early, uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, look, announced, it's it's ready to go, it's out there, versus something like Nmap, right, and it's, you know, 40 developers, they've been doing it for 15 years and it's amazing. So this Guinevere tool could be awesome or it could be a work in progress and it's very early. Um, And I'm not sure which one it is because I haven't gone and messed with it yet. I got a tab open to go and mess with it. But it's basically, you perform security work and it produces reports for you in various formats, which reporting... when you use open source tools is often your biggest problem. So, uh, that's, that's basically what this is there to address. All right. Recommended. How to handle a dip in creativity. This is an essay I did this weekend. It's basically got five different ways to deal. It's got a little methodology at the end. If you have a dip in creativity, go do these five things and they will work. Um, I don't think I'm going to mention them all here because it's a little bit of a diversion. But um, the the link is in the notes. Um, gum disease opens body to a host of infections. This is fascinating. So check this out. I got the link in the notes as well. Um, from arthritis to Alzheimer's, 50% of U.S. adults have gum disease. There's a six times faster decline for Alzheimer's pain patients who have gum disease versus those who don't 2.5 times the risk of several cancers for non-smokers with gum disease versus not. Basically what I'm hearing here is that if your mouth is nasty and full of like bacteria, um, mostly cause people don't floss and brush, but if that's the case, this bacteria basically just corrodes the body. You stay sick longer. Your mental health goes. Uh, and this is generalizing quite a bit. I, I think the the actual study does back this up. but I'm making a little more general here. But I would say <laughs> uh, it's pretty clear that it's bad to have this much bacteria in your mouth. Because what the study points out is it goes other places in your body and does bad things. So um, this is something that should be pretty obvious to people who practice security. It's like you have this mass infection in one part of you and uh, you're hoping it just doesn't go anywhere else but it turns out it, it kind of does. Um, top hacker news submissions from 2006 to 2015. This is a cool little GitHub project um, and uh, basically lists the top stories from those those uh, those years. And I got the link there. So announcements, again, this podcast has been renamed to uh, Unsupervised Learning, and basically that is just an enhancement of the podcast into uh, some additional areas of of conversation. We've seen a little bit of that in this episode, but it has been renamed. The feed is different. Uh, You're listening to it now, so I won't say how to find the feed because you obviously have, um, unless you're listening on the website, at which point. You, you basically just go to my website, slash podcast, slash feed, and that's what it is. Um, going to also try something a little bit new in this episode going forward and see if it sticks. I'm basically adding a new section called Summary and Recommendations, uh, which basically captures the main points of the show and tells you what you should do as a result. And this comes from my strong belief that when someone presents something to you, the one thing you should be asking them and asking yourself is, What do I do different as a result of hearing what you just told me, right? So this section, we'll try to clarify that. We'll we'll see how it goes. Um, So number one, this is a summary and recommendations. Number one, if you use WordPress, um, use as few plugins as possible and keep them updated. How about that? Number two, don't run WordPress in a protected environment. Assume it's compromised and act accordingly, which means you have it in some super nasty DMZ. Um, Not like your mouth with bacteria, by the way, because that's not a DMZ. Um, When you're thinking about crypto, um, crypto secure data, remember to think not just about the algorithms and the keys that are being used, but the client and server interfaces to handling the data. uh, Because those are likely to be far more vulnerable than the crypto itself. Number four, incorporate conscientiousness into your considerations of tester skill, both in yourself and in those you're thinking about hiring. Number five, remember that insider threat doesn't always mean purely malicious people. It can also mean oversharing and know-it-all types and those kind of people. Update flash, that's, Ridiculous. Uh, this should basically basically be a weekly recommendation, or probably will we? Be, um, only because it can't be hourly. Because I just can't do an hourly show. Uh, oh, also update Java. Anytime you update Flash, just update Java um, or uninstall both of them, whichever one uh, you are able to do, the, whichever one, higher one you could do. Number seven. Uh, keep an eye out for the Reprocessed project, which uh, I'll be launching soon. And number eight, floss. So the bacteria in your mouth doesn't infect your brain and your body. Um, and also keep keep an eye out for more research on this. Um, I'll probably keep updating it as well. I find it pretty fascinating. It's kind of related to the whole biome stuff in your in your stomach and like how bacteria there affects everything else as well something I'm somewhat interested, so I'll be following the research. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. See you next time. And if you like the show, please recommend it to your friends.